Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And you're about to get jumped. Welcome to episode 215 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the episode. This week on Get Jump, we're watching Naruto Shippuden, episodes 172 through 175, plus reading the first three chapters of Akane Ga Kill. In one of those, the nicest people turn out to be unsympathetic villains, and in the other, the biggest villains turn out to be tragically sympathetic. Sometimes you gotta look at the ninja half full, and sometimes you have to look at the ninja half empty, but that also depends on if his head has been cut off, or if his legs have been cut off. You know, it's a real, it's a real conundrum when you're looking at ninja logic, and also sometimes they're on fire, and also sometimes they're throwing rocks at you, and sometimes they're a shadow clone, and sometimes they're a water clone, and sometimes they're a lightning clone. They could be lots of things. Anyway, let's jump in. I was, I was about to get concerned about how long that list was going <laughs> It was really like a Bubba Gump shrimp sort of situation from Forrest Gump. Uh-huh. So, yeah. anyways, hey everybody. Uh, we are on our new schedule, and uh, I think it's going to well, work out. Don't say out. that too loud or you're going to jinx it. <laughs> and I think it's going to work out perfectly with no issues. Oh, oh no, I've gosh. exploded! Duh! <laughs> Yeah, well, well, you know, yeah. let's hope. <laughs> so, uh, previously on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we just kind of shot the shit, and we've been putting off talking about these Shippuden episodes. Um, in the meantime, I haven't watched any anime. <laughs> Me neither. I I just got back from a like wedding trip slash mini vacation, so I have been completely checked out of everything. <laughs> Yeah, you know what I did do, though? Because I really, really, really wanted to do it, and I decided that it was going to be in my best interest, too, because I went through the other ones too fast. I re- am rereading the Wano arc of of uh, One Piece, and uh-huh. uh, it's it's definitely worth it to do it. I'm, I'm glad I have. Now, in the Wano arc, that's the one where they land on the islands, and then there's a shark man, and the shark man uh, doesn't want to eat the fish. No, His fish are friends, not fit. What? Nope, that's not that's, that's not, not what it. happens at all. So, are you confident? The the um so <laughs> the the arc the Wano arc is in like a it's in an island, and the island is like uh basically set inside of feudal Japan because they haven't progressed forward because they cut themselves off from the rest of the world. So it's like this really cool um, place. It's also being, it's also being like horribly destroyed by Kaido, which is like one of the warlords of the sea. Wait, I, I think he's an emperor actually of like the pirates like him and big mom and others. Big mom. Oh yeah. Big mom is like a, she's like a, giant and she has this crazy power like i can't remember the name of her fruit that she people that watch and read one piece i am one of those people but i just i don't i don't 
consume all the information as well as other people do. And if you're listening to the show, you may have noticed that by now. But uh, um, <laughs> we're only uh, 200 episodes in, plus uh, you know extras. <laughs> yeah. So mom is a giant has the ability to give life to things, and then she they implicitly want to do her bidding for her. And so she's just has a ridiculously powerful power. Um, so she's, she's big mom because she is mothering sort of. No, she, she also has like a fuck ton of kids. Um, she, she, uh, well, her thing though, is that she wanted to like have kids from all different kinds of species that are in the world so that she could like have different kids with different powers to form her army. Um, she's a really interesting character. Huh. That, uh, took a turn I was not expecting. (laughs) Oh yeah, man. One piece is really well written and really crazy and really weird, but also great. Um, anyways. Yeah. Uh, so because we haven't watched anything, we do have page flips to talk about. Uh, surprise. It's the same thing that we've already talked about, except for it's me having to read a Kamege girl. And, uh, I, feel the same <laughs> yeah tell, tell say more so so it it just didn't uh, it just didn't impress me like i, I don't yeah. know what else to say it's just i wanted to like it i wanted to continue watching it um or reading it um just because i wanted to like convince myself to keep on reading it but it just it just is not doing it for me i I want there to be superpowers. <laughs> I guess they don't show up in the first couple of chapters. No, I don't. I just, I've seen the show that there's superpowers and I'm just like, I just, I don't, I don't think it's going to do it for me. And the story just seems very simplistic. I, I just don't, I don't know if I'm just into like the assassin stuff. Maybe that's it. Yeah. I was going to say it's sort of like a twisted version of good versus evil because your heroes are technically murderers, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I, I, I definitely think, I definitely think that like, I, you know, I like it. I've been reading a good amount of it, as I said, the last time we covered it. And I think it's fun. I do think that it misses that spark that you see sometimes. It's like, you know, I think, you know, obviously we have a lot of negative criticism for Naruto, but I think that like Naruto, Bleach, also not always the most complicated, well-told story, but very, very cool at all times. There's just, sometimes you catch that spark, I think, and there's something about your setting or your story that feels fresh and new and that sort of elevates what you're doing because a lot of the stuff, you know, you look at a lot of the plot structure of bleach and it really is relatively contrived reasons for one character to run across another character that they might want to fight. And then they fight. And it's like, most of the story is people with cool powers using those cool powers against each other. Um, And then, you know, they, they do spend time, developing an actual story to it. But it's like, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that when you watch or read a lot of shonen, uh, 
you know, the, the similarities start to make themselves known in the same way as like, if you listen to a lot of pop music, you'll hear the same kind of tricks being used. If you watch a lot of action movies, you'll start to get the structure and most things won't deviate from those, but some will do them well and some will do them poorly. It's like, you know, it's the reason that like Independence Day is good and Independence Day, the sequel thing is not good. Uh, there was a sequel to Independence Day? Yeah, uh, yeah, it was a couple years ago. Was it we just called More Independence Day? <laughs> Independence Day 2, even more independence. No, what was it called? <laughs> I'm <laughs> going to look it up. No, uh, motherfuckers are going to be dependent over here. We're independent. Indi- okay, so we have Independence Day from 1996. And Independence Day Resurgence from 2016, only oh 20 short God. years later. Man, I didn't yes. watch that movie. <laughs> well, I don't think you should. It, you know, obviously, I'm sure it's more than fun enough for some people, but it is not well regarded. And, it, you know, it's it, it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. I don't I, I suspect it is unlikely that it's a complete train wreck because it's a big budget movie. And usually, obviously, with plenty of exceptions, but usually the floor on like a big budget action movie is high enough that if you turn your brain off and you go sit and you enjoy it, you can enjoy yourself. Yeah. Right. But like some of them are really good. And some of, you know, I I think that that's kind of where a Kame Got Kill falls, where it's like it is doing enough of the shonen things that I like that I get to have more of those shonen things. But I'm almost never going to be recommending it to people over things like Bleach or Naruto that are doing the same things. I mean, I think Bleach is a good comparison here because Akame Got Kill's power sets are based entirely around special weapons. And that's pretty much all of Bleach's power sets, too. Obviously, asterisk there, but a lot of Bleach's power sets are either weapons that give them powers or channel their powers in certain ways or them channeling their powers into specific weapon shapes. Like uh, like Uryu's not actually firing a bow and arrow, but he, it manifests as bows and arrows. Mm. And, um, and and I think Akame Ga Kill shares a lot of DNA with that, uh, and I think it does it perfectly well. And I just think that there is some spark of creativity or uniqueness that Bleach has that Akame Ga Kill doesn't. And so it's yeah. like, you sort of get those, like, you, you get those series that are, like, not good, or at least that are not for us. A lot of slice of life stuff, but we're like, nah, this is not for us. And yeah. we do try and go out of our way to say who it's for. I think the challenge with the Kamega Kill is it's like, if you want more Shonen stuff, this is it. And it's pretty decent, but it's yeah. not great. <laughs> so it's, if you're looking for the great stuff, or if you haven't gotten to the great stuff yet, probably do that. It's a lot of okay, is what it is. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of okay, and it. And it, I've read multiple volumes, and it's it stays perfectly interesting, and yeah. it has yet to, it, you know, it has a few thrilling moments or panels, but it has yet to sweep me up and be like, oh, this is the turning point where things really kick off the ground. Like it just doesn't yeah. have that. It's just fine. Yeah. Well, we also have episodes to talk about, and man, oh man, I I I don't I don't know how much of recap we need for Shippuden at this point, other than just like what just happened. Cause man, we've been, it feel like every time we do a recap of Shippuden, it's just like, haven't we said this like 400 times already? 
Yeah, it's it is kind of the opposite of Full Metal Alchemist. Like every time we recap Full Metal Alchemist, I'm like 80, 80 more things happened in the last three episodes that we watched, and they're all important, and they all make things more complicated. And how do I fit in fit them in, or decide which ones don't fit? Mm-hmm. Uh, and for Naruto, it's basically like, well, you really just need to know the characters that are showing up and the premise and the yeah. most recent thing, because so, very rarely it does it does it pull on from that. Yeah. Farther. So previously on Naruto Shippuden, um, our main character Naruto <laughs> has defeated Pain after Pain destroyed the village hidden in the leaf. Do we need to know anything else? <laughs> I mean, you know, if you've never heard of Naruto or seen it, like, this is a ninja world, Naruto's a ninja in training, Pain is a, I don't know, evil ninja is awfully reductive, but it's good enough. <laughs> but he's trying Village to bring peace to where Naruto world, lives. Like. <laughs> uh, Jiraiya shows up here, he's important, is part of uh, the legendary Sanin, they, yeah. they became legendarily powerful during a war that we will flash back to, yeah. and Jiraiya was also the mentor of both Naruto and Pain, and that's going to be relevant. Yeah. I, I don't really think you need to know much more after or much more than that. This is yeah. relatively self. Yeah, well, Pain, Pain, if you've forgotten, is the uh, the evil villain that wants to destroy half of uh, all populations inside of the universe. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, oh, sorry, sorry. No, he's, uh, he's the evil villain that uh, throws his brother um, from the edge of a cliff into a stampede of wilderbeasts. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, who else? All villains oh, are the same. Is that what you're doing? <laughs> yeah. So he, um, he also stole the voice of a, a mermaid, um, and then gave her legs. He's a sea witch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, let's uh, let's go ahead and jump into the first episode we're covering today, which is called 172 Meeting. This episode and all the other episodes we are covering are about flashbacks. So if you yeah. don't like flashbacks. Skip episodes 172 through 175 because the only thing that you really need to know is that we are going to hear about his backstory. And I I swear some people are like, no, I love hearing about backstory. But I know some people inside of the Naruto Kai um, universe are in like an actual argument to this day about episodes that should be cut. And these four are on like the chopping block for a lot of people. And I'm like, I I have so many thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, well, it, it does. It does tell like a lot of really important backstory of a major villain and why they are doing it. But their argument is that like, it doesn't matter what happened previously to this character. We don't need to know that. We just need to move on with the story. And I'm just like, I don't know how I feel about that as somebody who is very interested in character building. Yeah, I I would say that that is a hard disagree for me. I think that there are plenty of people out there that are like, he's a villain. I get it. Uh, You know, you want to make him sympathetic and I don't really care. That's fine. You don't have to care. But there's a different... My husband, Pete, and I have been talking about this a lot because people bitch and moan about adaptations all the time. And I think where we've kind of been coming down on is like, it's one thing to say that this didn't work for you. I wanted something different than what they were doing. Or, uh, you know, this just wasn't 
this just wasn't for me. It's another thing to say it's bad. And uh, most people, I think, most people, I think, rise to the level of it's bad when really what they mean is it didn't work for me. And I think that that creates a lot of negative discourse. So it's like, if you're one of those people that is like, I don't need all the backstory, the pain is like, spoiler alert, pain dies at the end of these episodes. Yes. And these episodes are all him using his dying moments to tell the story of his life to Naruto to explain why he is the way he is and why he's done the things he's done. Mm -hmm. And if you are the person that's like, this guy's going to die. And while his influence will not vanish with him, uh, it's not crucial. Like you don't, if you don't know any of this information, you can move forward with your life. Yeah. There is a, you could argue there's a slight shift in Naruto's perspective from hearing this story, but really he just hardens his resolve. Yeah, this so, is this yeah. is the argument are... that many people are talking about with uh, mm-hmm. with Naruto Kai is that they're now, just I like, would... do I need to know everything in order to get from point A to point B, which is my final fight of this show? Yeah, this now this is a question. That, you know, this can be broken up into different degrees of like serious uh, discussion about the art of storytelling, both in Naruto and in general. Um, I, I think that there's, you know, there's something to be said for a relatively Spartan approach to storytelling where it's like, everything should be moving toward the end of the story and anything that is not, uh, can probably be jettisoned in favor of a more streamlined experience. Uh, and that, you know, there are so many exceptions to that rule and you get into moments of character where it's like, I don't know. <sighs> the thing that's coming to my mind right now is like Captain America shaving his beard at the beginning of Endgame. And it's like, that's just a random scene to explain why Chris Evans doesn't have a beard in this one anymore. But like, it also can serve as a sort of transitional moment for the audience. It can serve as a character moment for the character. And if you didn't have it, it wouldn't matter. He could continue to have the beard. He could not have a beard. And we could all safely assume that he has shaved his face and the act of him shaving as a sort of shot in the movie doesn't matter, Mm -hmm. but it also does something. Uh, And, you know, sometimes people are attempting to do something and they don't do it correctly. And then the movie or movie story, whatever, maybe suffers. But like, yeah, this, I I guess where I'm coming down on is like there, Naruto has frequently been plagued by, um, flashbacks that are dragging things out and there's probably some of that here i haven't read these chapters in a long 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 time so i don't know how much of this flashback is rehashing stuff that doesn't get rehashed in the manga or whatever but this is a plot point that happens in the original story pain tells his story to naruto and that happens this isn't something the animation created for itself so i would say the purpose of a kai series is to take a show that had to put in filler for whatever reason and remove the filler, which means take out all the stuff the anime created whole cloth, but leave in the stuff that's adapted from the the manga. If you're then going extra steps and being like, well, let's trim the manga itself. Like that's a different thing. And I don't agree. Yeah. Okay. Well, here we go. Um, The flashback is going to be Nagato telling about how, his his parents were killed and he was orphaned. They were, it, it seems like they were just in the wrong town at the wrong lifetime, I guess. Um, yeah. They, they weren't, they, they 
really weren't part of either side, it seems. They just got caught and caught in the crossfire of a massive ninja war. And, uh, yeah, they were like and, literally cowering in their own home, as yeah. far as I could tell. Yeah, and, and they were invaded by insurgents, I guess. Yeah, it seems uh, who happened to be from the village that our hero is from, which I thought correct. was an interesting touch. Yeah. So um, after that happens, he just kind of wanders along, uh, almost starving to death before he's saved by a dog. Um, kudos for dogs. And uh, the then. Best. He forms a pack of miscreants with two other people. That is going to be uh, Conan or Conan and Yahiko. Um, and uh, yeah, he, he forms up with Yahiko and Conan O'Brien. Yeah, Conan <laughs> O'Brien. Um, anyways, uh, they they then witness a fight between um, uh, between the Sanin and Hanzo. Um, if you can can you tell them who Hanzo is? Um, just because he's yeah relatively important, he, I guess. He is the I believe at this time he's the current leader of the village hidden in the rain, and the the this is what the second great ninja war I believe yeah. or the third, uh, the second great ninja war, and it is uh it is basically the various large nations coalescing on a a territory that's sort of intersected by all of them. It's sort of like, if you think about the village hidden in the rain, it is in a small section of land that is surrounded on all four corners by three or four other big nations. And all of those big nations are at war with each other, but instead of fighting in their own territory, they are fighting in a neutral territory, which is where other people live, and they are the people living in the village hidden in the rain. So they are being completely raffle stomped by a fight that's really none of their business. Um, and they're just sort of like being forced into it because other bigger places want to fight it. There they are. Um, so Hanzo is the leader of the village hidden in the rain. And he, uh, he's known, doesn't he use like a, he uses like a giant animal that's a salamander, right? Yeah. Um, and then he, I think he also uses poison, like the salamander like breathes out poison or something. He's like a gas mask design sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's pretty cool. He shows up every once in a while, but uh, just as, as a flashback character. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's the he's the kind of like violent, dangerous leader of this village that is otherwise being unfairly treated by the citizens of the war that they didn't choose. Yeah, and they get basically adopted by Jiraiya inside of this. Uh, to become ninjas for the Hidden Leaf, I guess, whenever he gets around to introducing them to the Hidden Leaf. Um, and then that takes us into episode... I think he's just teaching them to be ninjas to save themselves. I don't think he's... I don't I think d- he ever plans to I don't to know, man. I don't know. The, the, there is a lot of gray area about what is going on here, especially with, like, the, you know, what Jiraiya is doing and why. Um, because... Yeah. You can also argue that, like, there is a possibility that Jiraiya, gained, like, realized he was getting too close to this and he was going to have to make a decision beca- between being a ninja and being a mentor to these people. Um, yeah. But other things are going to go awry. But anyways, episode 173, Origin of Pain. Um, they start learning ninjutsu from Jiraiya, Nagato, and Conan. Um, they're going to... They're gonna, Help, and then Yahiko is going to found uh, Akatsuki. 
and the goal of which is to bring peace to the Hidden Rain Village, which is where he is from. Um, and uh, they, what's interesting about this character Hanzo that Blake brought up a minute ago is that Hanzo is he seems to be a ninja leader, but also kind of like a a kingpin of a mob that runs a city. Um, yeah, the rain, the village hidden in the rain is often depicted as a bit of a seedy, crime-ridden place. Yeah, like whereas you have, uh, you have the village hidden in the leaf is closer to being like a like a city state, you know, run by yeah. a a figurehead that is leading it. Whereas the village hidden in the rain seems to be kind of like a like a marauder town or like a mercenary town where like ninjas are there, but it's like different sects of Yakuza that are running the city in different ways. And so, yeah. And I actually think that that's sort of an unmentioned aspect of them getting pulled into this war is that like the other, the other countries feel like, well, we are countries and this place is some sort of like, you know, lawless madriporian town and so like we are not going to respect their existence or autonomy because we are actual countries yeah yeah and what's really fucked up here too is that we see that like the the special ops which is going to be of the hidden leaf is going to team up with hanzo and his underground like uh shady thing that he's running in order to break apart the newly forming Akatsuki, which is going to be seen yeah. by the village in the leaf as a possible new terrorist threat, but also they are funding basically a, a mob organization in order to do that, which brings yeah, up like a, a really complicated bit of politics inside of this world. It, it's really interesting because, um, Hanzo is the leader of this village. I, I would agree with Spencer that there is a sort of like mafioso vibe to how he leads. Mm-hmm. Um, and Donzo, you might remember if you've been listening along or watching along, is still around in the Leaf Village today. He is the, uh, he, I believe, is still the leader of the Anbu Black Ops. And so he, he serves as a sort of like, you know, he's the, he's the director of the CIA, right? He's a powerful, high ranking government official, but he's definitely not the president. He's not in charge and he's not technically in charge of what missions the CIA goes on. He's just in charge of uh, directing those missions and those agents and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, His input is valuable, but he doesn't have final say. Um, now we have seen Donzo in the current time frame of the storyline making power plays. Uh, he has been uh, basically disobeying orders to uh, that have been handed out by Tsunade, who is the Hokage, which we all frequently refer to as the ninja president. Um, and uh, most recently in the middle of pain, attacking the village and destroying things and killing people left and right. Mm-hmm. Um, they were like, Hey, we need, we need Naruto to come here and help out. And uh, they had a messenger that they were going to send to him that Donzo then killed after everybody was, you know, moved on to the next thing. And so he's, he's directly interfering with what's going on and potentially with the health of the village. And I believe he's already stated this 
uh, outright, and I believe I'm not misremembering or misinterpreting, that he his stated goal is that he wants to be Hokage. And it, I, I believe mm-hmm. he's he's basically going through steps right now to destabilize the uh, the uh, satisfaction that people have with Tsunade to basically be able to, to set her up for a fall by saying, like, hey, she failed you, but I'm here to to take over in her stead. Uh, he has a very like militaristic view of things. And so that brings us back to this flashback because the Akatsuki as we know it today has been a shadowy organization of ninja that have left their home villages to band together to go around finding uh, Jinchiriki, which are people that have giant, you know, tailed beast demons trapped inside their bodies. And then uh, the Akatsuki will take those uh, Jinchiriki and uh, remove the, the tailed beast demons from their bodies at the cost of killing the Jinchiriki, which is just sort of an unfortunate cost of doing business. And uh, they are trying to do this for some reason. And Payne, I, I don't remember if he said it in the last episode, if he says it in these episodes, what exactly they're trying to mean by that. Uh, but he, he's sort of masterminded all of this to gather up these Jinchiriki energies to uh, coalesce into a single point for some goal. And um, it turns out that the Akatsuki, when it was originally formed in this flashback, was formed as a sort of uh, a sort of militant peace task force, basically gathering the hidden rain village people that have been downtrodden by this war they didn't choose together under a single banner to push back against the invaders and reclaim their home. And Donzo shows up and is like, hey, I'm the leader of the Rain Village, and your organization is gaining a lot of traction with people who live in the Rain Village. And as the leader, I will now officially partner with you, and your actions will then, uh, by consequence, become sanctioned by the actual leader of this government. And then, you know, we can work together and you'll have access to my resources and sort of the force of my, uh, my position behind your actions yeah. in order to make yourselves even more effective and move you to your ultimate goal of peace in our country uh, faster. And this is some bullshit that he and Donzo have cooked up as a power saving measure. Yeah. Yeah, he... Correct. So, um, in order to for uh, Conan is going to be captured, and in order for um, her to get released, Nagato is uh, told to kill Yahiko in exchange for her life. Yahiko, oh yeah, because Yahiko uh, is the leader, not Nagato. Correct. Um, so Yahiko is going to sacrifice himself on the blade of uh, of of um, Nagato in order yeah. to basically be like look he's killed me you filled this in this needs to be done um, specifically but, but then it's but then Hanzo's just like nah I, I was I was lying about this you killed yourself basically yeah. for nothing and that leaves Nagato to go uh full on 100% a la Mo- uh, Mob Psycho 100 um, yeah and he's gonna release this uh dope power um that I wish we could see more of which is mm-hmm. this dragon thing that steals souls from people? Yeah, this is... So Nagato has these... He is one of many characters in the Naruto universe that has special eyes. 
Uh, his eyes are called the Rinnegan, and what we've learned about them so far is that they're before there were ninja, there was this guy named the Sage of Six Paths, and he is uh, mythologized as the origin of all ninjutsu, which is, you know, the special powers that ninja use. And it is said that he had the Rinnegan, and it is implied that the Rinnegan then has some sort of I don't know, core connection to ninjutsu and how it works or something like that. It is very much unclear um, exactly how this works or what's happening, but the, the, basically the assumption that you can make based on how people talk about this and what stories they tell is that the Rinnegan has a, an insane amount of power, uh, even compared to the Sharingan and the Byakugan that we've seen before, which are also extremely powerful in their own rights. This is on a whole nother level because it is, I don't know, capable of creating an entire study of ninjutsu that warps the world around it forevermore. So, uh, yeah, he summons this dragon in some, in some way because he has the Rinnegan. Like, I, I believe his eyes go into their, like, Rinnegan state right before this, and Hanzo sees that and is like, oh shit, this guy's for real. And then, yeah, he unleashes a, a soul dragon that uh, that uh, Raiders of the Lost Arks, everybody around it. <laughs> and um, then I guess also is like a sort of one-time use power because at the end of this, the soul dragon extends giant black poles out of its mouth that jab, that stab Nagato all the way through and break off and leave him enfeebled, uh, presumably from that point on. And these are, of course, the big black poles that uh, Nagato keeps piercing everybody with that we have learned kind of resonate with his chakra and allow him to manipulate people from afar. And I don't understand uh, why this all happened. <laughs> Like, yeah. why does the dragon enfeeble him at the first at the first moment? You know, not also not for nothing. He was an orphan in this war, so how did he learn a one-time use attack that nobody else had yep. access to yep. that other people recognized immediately, including his allies? It's one thing for Donzo yep. to be like, I've heard of this technique before. But I don't know. You know, I <laughs> I guess it's best not to examine these things too closely. There are definitely a couple of questions where I'm like, it makes sense to me that he, he goes. He obviously learned it when he was when he was cosplaying as a frog with Jiraiya at one point, you know. Yeah. Um, anyways, was, oh well, I forgot to tell you that. Yeah, all of Jiraiya's training was just them pretending to be and or dressing up as frogs. Obviously, yeah, that's that's what they do. Anyways, uh, episode one seventy four and one seventy five, uh, Tale of Naruto Uzumaki and Hero of the Leaf. Um, these episodes, um, man, oh man, they have one point in each of them. And each one of those points points to wiping out, uh, something that happened previously and Ugh. washing it away. This is frustrating. So here's the thing. Um, Nagato is just like, uh, I want to hear about you now. And Naruto is just like, here's who I am. Um, and he cannot forgive you for what he's done, but he has this same shared sensei. So he wants to live on this legacy. Nagato's just like, I agree with you that you should be the person to live on through this legacy. Your namesake was this book character 
that Jiraiya built and Jiraiya was the person that I believed in the oh, most in the world to be able to we also um, possibly push forward his dream of having peace inside of the world other than yeah, himself. Yeah, we also find out and that... if his shit is going to fall apart, he's like, fuck, I guess I'll just give it right. to else. We find out that Nagato also inspired the phrase that the character, the book character Naruto says a phrase that inspired Minato so much that he named Naruto after this character. And Nagato is revealed to be the person that says that phrase to Jiraiya. So I like that kind of stuff a lot. That's sort of like, you get a lot, you get this a lot in time travel narratives as well. That sort of a chain of events that, that creates a certain sense of like destiny around something happening. I really enjoy that. And I, I like the added spice here that like Naruto's, existence i'm not that they wouldn't have had a kid at this book but like naruto's sort of like way of being is completely wrapped up in who his father was which was a disciple of who his eventual mentor was which was also influenced by the book that his mentor wrote which was all sort of like influenced in this moment and uh, he was already working on the book but he was having he was having writer's block and self-doubt. And it is it is implied, if not outright stated in this flashback scene, that Jiraiya may, may have abandoned the book entirely if it hadn't been for Nagato saying this aspirational thing to him about the world that they might be able to create, uh, you know, if everybody sort of like moved in the right direction. And that that statement led all the way to this point with Naruto being this extremely determined character that is devoted to this sense of justice. And that is the very sense of justice that Nagato himself abandoned because of his own life experiences. So it's actually like very, very important. And I, you could even argue crucial to Naruto, although, I, you know, back to our discussion from earlier, I do think it's fine if you end up skipping these and you, you know, Naruto has always been a very determined person. And so it's like, if you don't realize that like he redoubles down on his determination here, you're probably not going to be too shocked the next time he's super determined, but it really, it adds extra weight to it. When you get to see the fact that like this all kind of came from the same place as the main villains of this part of the story. And that there is this sort of like beautiful dramatic irony mixed with symmetry here that creates a poignancy that is, yeah, as we discussed, not necessarily required viewing for the show, but does make it work better. When we were talking about this earlier, I was like, it's not necessary to know that Magneto survived the Holocaust, but it does make his character better and it makes his actions more interesting and more nuanced. And, you know, it totally, yeah. I'm sure there's plenty of story opportunity that it opens up that wouldn't be, be there if he didn't survive the Holocaust. But this is that thing. This is, this is Magneto doing something that he might have done otherwise. But the fact that he's a Holocaust survivor makes it more weighty and more interesting. The same story is happening here with Nagato. He is a war orphan. And that, that, along with a series of double crosses at crucial moments in his life when he was trying to do the right thing, made him into the villain he is today. You don't have to know that to move on with the story of Naruto, but it does yeah. make it. And that takes us into the uh, wipe away of everything other than the destroying of the city. 
Um, Nagato is going to be like, okay, I have this ability. I can bring people back to life, but in exchange, it's going to kill me. And Naruto's just like, cool. Well, can you do that, please? And he's just like, I've heard that one before. (laughs) Yeah. And so what he does is he brings everybody back to life and it kills him. And then, um, and then Conan is going to be like, okay, I'm going to take these bodies. I'm going to go bury them and deal with that. Here's this bouquet of flowers. And Uh thanks for listening to our story. (laughs) And then, uh, and then Naruto is just like going to put up a, a, a thing in memory of Jiraiya and everybody's just like, you're the hero that everybody needs Naruto. And that's the end of the show, right? Well, like uh, that's the end of the entire show, right? Well, uh, not quite. <laughs> I will Fuck. say, I will say, yeah, it's very frustrating. It's also almost unintentionally comedic. The point when Kakashi is killed and uh, in in death, he goes to visit his father that he was sort of vaguely estranged from because of a perhaps uncharitable read of the father's actions during his lifetime. And Kakashi and his father are reconciling and they're having this like, uh, we're both dead now, end of the world re- reconciliation. And then the like, the revival jutsu comes along and Kakashi's like, wait, what am I doing? And then he's just fucking gone. And it's like, kind of accidentally funny that like pain bringing everybody back sort of ruined Kakashi's like emotional catharsis moment. Um, but also, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is big. This could have been an ending to the show. If not for a big, big outstanding plot, because mm, let's say half of Naruto has been Naruto was an orphan. Because of events that were out of his control, he was orphaned by a terrible tragedy that struck the village, and the result of that was that he was treated very poorly by his countrymen as a kid. His reaction to that was to become determined to prove them all wrong by being the best of them. Uh, He didn't really hold any resentment for them, he just wanted to show them that they had uh, misjudged him. And this really is the entire village coming together to say, hey, we misjudged you. We've had little moments like this before, but this is the big one where he is not only considered to be a a growing ninja of importance, but he is literally told to his face, you are considered a hero to us now. And that is huge. And you are right, Spencer. This could have been Mm -hmm. the end of the story because it completes that arc. Except... There's this guy named Sasuke. <laughs> and that is the other half of Naruto. Yeah. And- which is, uh, my friend is is bad now, and I don't want him to be, and I will get him back no matter what. Yep. And no matter what hasn't happened yet. Yep. So the story goes on. Yep. And stick with us after these credits, and we'll talk about what's coming on next week. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 15 sound wizard. Fireball! 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 Ad-free versions of our podcast are available on Patreon, along with extra Patreon-only goodies, like additional conversations and articles written by the hosts. Follow us on Twitter at B&SGetJumped. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. 
or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash getjumped. We also have a Discord server, and you can find links to that on our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New episodes come out every week. Thanks for listening. Hello, my name is Jeremy Snow, and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of The Geekly Grind, a geek-centric website that covers all manners of topics from video games and anime to tabletop games, board games, comics, and more. If you're looking for a website to add to your daily rotation for some of the latest news, reviews, and overall takes on where geek culture is headed, make sure to bookmark thegeeklygrind.com and pay us a visit. I also wanted to thank you uh, for being a faithful listener to this podcast. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is a vital member of our podcast family, which also includes Knights of the World Table, which is a D&D audio drama podcast, The Ink and Paint Club, an animation podcast, Comic Book Keepers, which is a comic book podcast, and Geek Exploration, the podcast which is on general geek culture. We also have the Geekly Grind podcast, which provides audio renditions of our published articles, special guests, and more. Make sure to seek those out and listen to them wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again. Next time on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we're watching Yu Yu Hakusho episodes 107 through 109. It's just the end of every single season of Dragon Ball where they're going to have another tournament. <laughs> oh, they they already had that one good tournament. Nope. Is it like even that? more tournaments? Got to have more tournaments. Oh, everything. I'm oh. I'm assuming there's going to be someone named Mr. Satan there. Yeah. Um. And uh, Cell yeah. and uh, Gohan right. and somebody that is like clearly an alien character, yeah, but everybody's, everybody's just cool like totally it. normal about yeah. it. Okay, well, that sounds like you, Hawkeye Show.